Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with Everag are their own and do not reflect the views of Everag. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by Everag. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, where each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of today's markets. Today is Thursday, December 15th. March 23 corn is down a half of a cent, trading 6.50 even, and January 23 soybeans are down four and three quarter cents, trading 14.77. Turning to our guests this week, it is our privilege to have Max Fisher, Chief Economist and Treasurer at the National Grain and Feed Association. Thanks for joining us, Max. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. To get started with, can you tell us a little bit about who the National Grain and Feed Association is and what is your role there? Uh, sure. So it's a trade association back right outside of Washington, D.C. in Arlington, Virginia, um, that represents uh, the grain and feed industry for the U.S., mostly the U.S., but we also have some, some member companies in Canada and then some that do business in Mexico. But anyway, so it represents roughly 1,000 companies that are in the grain and feed business. So this would be a, these would be grain handlers, country elevators, grain processors, uh, exporters, flour flour millers, you name it within the grain and feed industry. Uh, that that's who we're intended to represent. And I should add, I should add, represent them with the U.S. government primarily, but also to help those members understand the, the regulations that come out of Washington D.C. Wonderful. And what is your current role there, Max? Right now, uh, I mean, my title is Chief Economist and Treasurer. So, but I, I, I guess maybe that's not fully telling of, of what I do. So, actually, my my primary purpose within the organization that I work on right now is uh, working on uh, rail policy with the railroads, and then also on truck policy, and then uh, an area we call risk management, which means working with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and CME Group and and other exchanges. Anyway, so those those are the main policy areas where that I work in. So you've been busy to say the least, given the current role that you serve in, especially with all of the news around transportation, very specifically around the railroad industry and the strikes that um, have managed to largely stay at bay. Oh, you got it. Yeah. I have to say the last year and a half has been extremely busy within the rail rail policy uh, arena. You know, it started about a year and a half ago when you had that uh, kind of merger bidding war, so to speak, between, you know, the Canadian Pacific and Canadian National trying to merge with Kansas City Southern Railway, which is still ongoing. And then and then we've had a number of rail service issues uh, that popped up last last fall and uh, really came to a head this spring. And, and we still are, are seeing uh, remnants of service issues going on today. And then, of course, over the last few months, we've had, you know, major rail labor negotiations, you know, that took us to the brink of actually shutting down the rail system. Well, we certainly appreciate everything that you and your team are doing on that front. We know it's it's really important. It seems like little things like transportation get overlooked so often when they're going well. And when they don't go well, it becomes something that's in the forefront of our minds. And we remember just how essential it is. So appreciate everything you do there. And hopefully we can, uh, get things humming right back along in short order. Oh, yeah. No, it's in all of our best interests uh, yes. for, for the rail system to be uh, humming along and efficient and uh, 
working the way we would like it to work. So. so you hit on a few issues you're currently monitoring. What are some of the other issues that you and your crew are monitoring and that our listeners should be keeping an eye on? Well, you know, what kind of dovetails into the rail transportation world is um, waterways. We've had reduced uh, water flow in the in the river system in the Midwest. And uh, anyway, so that's really impacted the, the ability to, to move grain and other grain-related products down those rivers to the Gulf and, and also for you know, upstream movements of, of things like fertilizer. You know, on top of that, we had all these rail service issues. So there was, there was plenty going on this year in, in the transportation area. You know, there's always things related to, um, you know, I, I guess another area I work on is risk management. And, um, you know, so we're, we're constantly monitoring that because little things like this FTX, for example, how they just declared or are not necessarily the mother company, but part of it declared bankruptcy or is it in the process of it? You know, they, they actually had a proposal before the Commodity Futures Tra- Trading Commission where they were going to, you know, try to innovate or revolutionize kind of the, the way that uh, trading is handled for, they were going to start out with cryptos, but there was, there was, you know, many thought that that would spread into other products too, such as ag. So, so anyway, so we you know, definitely have been monitoring and, you know, commenting on on what uh, FTX was proposing this summer and anyway it's kind of amazing the turn of events that that took but uh, um, anyway th- those are uh, I guess a, a few of the, the major items sure and part of the NGFA's mission is to promote safety in the grain in the feed industries what are some of the safety hazards facing growers today and how is the association working to overcome some of those? You know, we have a person on staff who's full-time safety. His name is Jess McClure, and uh, he goes around doing trainings for, actually, he pairs up a lot with, there. there's a number of state associations that do similar work to what we do, but at the state level. So he'll travel out throughout the U.S. conducting training sessions at these for these states, and then companies within those states will, will send their people to, to help get training on, for example, what are the OSHA regulations for the grain and feed industry or, or the EPA regulations. And, and he helps helps uh, the industry out by making them aware of the rules so that they um, know what they need to be in compliance with and to keep people safe, of course. We all want to go home in the same fashion in which we came to work every day and making safety a priority can easily get overlooked when we're in a hurry, but we know it's really important and especially in, in agriculture where we're working with big equipment every day moving parts. So Mm -hmm. trade is top of mind with many of our listeners. You hit on trade a little bit earlier when you talked about some of the logistical issues that we've been having as a country, but how is the National Grain and Feed Association working to increase U.S. grain and feed exports? And are there any certain regions you're kind of looking at or or honing in on? So so trade, you know, I guess there's a number of ways that um, like that we try, try to help with trade. You know, of course, most of the work is done with the companies. They actually make the deals, you know, and then initiate uh, contracts uh, with buyers in, in foreign countries. So what we try to help with is, you know, whenever there's, say, an impediment, you know, if, if for some reason a, a foreign government creates a trade barrier and makes it hard for, for the U.S. Uh, businesses to do, do business with the foreign businesses. So then we, you know, a lot of times what we'll do then is we'll, we'll then work with the U.S. government to try to get them involved to work with their counterparts over in the foreign country to resolve any of those impediments. So that's that's kind of 
the role that uh, our association attempts to play in, in the trade arena. So has your organization been involved with some of the conversations we're currently having with Mexico around non-GMO corn? Yep. I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, for, for your listeners, you know, the, the Mexican government has been uh, threatening for, gosh, it's probably been a couple of years now to no longer allow the U.S. to export its corn into Mexico, presumably because of uh, the U.S., most of the U.S. corn, you know, being raised with GMO traits embedded. And um, the thing is, is, you know, most of the U.S. corn, it goes for animal feeding in Mexico, not into human consumption, which it, it's the GMO corn is FDA approved for both. So don't get me wrong. But um, anyway, the Mexican government has been threatening anyway to, to no longer allow that. So, um, yeah, associations like mine, we're not alone. Others are involved as well, have been working with the U.S. government and, and Mexican government to the, to the extent that we have ties there to try to educate you know, try to make this based on uh, rules and science rather than whatever basis that, that they're attempting to base it on. And I think I think progress is being made. You know, the Mexico has indicated now that they're looking at trying to carve out uh, GMO for feed anyway. We think they ought to go all the way and, you know, do what the science would dictate, which is that if, it, if it's safe for animal and human consumption to allow that. So uh, we're going to continue to work that area. But we, we have seen a little bit of progress lately, but it, it is too bad that we're still having to have, have these issues because we did have free flow of, of trade with, corn, with respect to corn going into Mexico prior to this. We still do, don't get me wrong, but there's been threats to that trade. And it's, it's a major market for U.S. corn. Right. I mean, they're our number one buyer of U.S. corn. And so we certainly want to make sure that our relations with them stay strong and that they view the products that we raise as a safe and reliable source of feed and food products, because it absolutely is. As you alluded to, science has proven that for many, many years. And so we we appreciate, again, the work you folks do on that front, and we continue to anticipate that that'll get, get sorted out. We've talked a lot about you know global interactions. Closer to home here, next year is going to be a farm bill. How, if at all, is the National Grain and Feed Association involved in the writing of the Farm Bill? And if you guys are involved, do you have any kind of top priorities? Yeah. So we pride ourselves in being a, a free market organization. So we, the way that we try to influence the Farm Bill is in the writing of the farm programs. We try to ensure that they're market-based or, or at least they're not going to distort the markets, put it that way. So if, if there's going to be aid when there is need, we don't want it to impact uh, planting decisions, for example, or harvesting decisions. So we want that aid to be uh, kind of severed from, from the thought process that goes into what determines markets. So those, those are the principles that we try to impart on Congress when they're writing these bills. And, uh, you know, right now, the, the current suite of programs that they have does a good job for the most part of not impacting the marketplace. So it, as long as they're plans are to continue in, in that form. You know, I don't see ourselves um, having to work too hard on that part of the farm bill anyway. And another part is, you know, the conservation programs. And it's the same thing. You know, we try to make it to where, you know, those programs can conserve the resources for our farmland so they can continue to produce on it, but do so in a way that does not result in, again, you know, changing of kind of decisions that producers are going to make. So uh, we try to encourage Congress to 
install programs that are going to help farmers while they're farming the ground to to make decisions that are going to help conserve the soil. You know, such as uh, cover cropping, for example. That's that's a that's a program that we, you know, strongly uh, support within the farm bill. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to all the discussions that are going to be had around the U.S. Farm Bill this year. We know we've got a number of organizations, including your own, who are doing a great job to represent rural America and production agriculture. Max, as we wrap up, how can listeners get involved or learn more about the National Feed and Grain Association and its related policies? Well, we, we keep a, maintain a website, www.ngfa.org. And we, we try to update it with uh, news releases, uh, what we're working on. So, and, and then we also, you know, try to put some other information on that that we, we think would be helpful to uh, the general public. So anyway, we're always, always trying to improve it. I'm sure we still can, can go even farther, but uh, we do have those resources out there that are available for, uh, for people to go look at. Wonderful. Well, Max, it was sure a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend, or give us a review. Thank you to Everag Insights, and especially to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's show. Mm-hmm.